This is the Facts of Life, where research-based knowledge from the failing consumer sciences is brought to you with life application. I'm your host, Amanda Harner. My guests today are failing consumer science experts, Dr. Allison Penn and Dr. Aniza Zankovic. And these are the facts on cooperative extension. Welcome to the first ever Facts of Life. I'm Amanda Harner, your host. I am the Family and Consumer Sciences agent in Monroe County for the University of Georgia Extension. I am really excited about this first season of Facts of Life, which by the way, Facts, F-A-C-S stands for Family and Consumer Sciences. Uh, But I'm really excited about this first season because we're going to talk about all kinds of topics. Uh, We're going to cover health topics that range from radon and lung cancer to infant and maternal nutrition and things like the brain and fad diets and a wealth of other things. But to fully understand where we're going, not only in this season, but in future seasons of the Facts of Life, we really need to help you understand what extension actually is. So I have asked two amazing women, Dr. Aniza Zankovic and Dr. Allison Penn, to help me with this episode. Dr. Aniza Zankovic is the Dean of the College of Family and Consumer Sciences at the University of Georgia. She has extensive expertise in the area of human development and family sciences. She has enhanced programs that she has overseen at the at East Carolina University and Virginia Tech. And her research focuses on the effects of work and other demands on individuals and their relationships. Equally successful, Dr. Allison Penn is the Associate Dean of Family and Consumer Sciences for UGA Cooperative Extension. And her career in extension began as a county extension agent with the University of Arkansas. Dr. Penn steadily grew in leadership with the University of Arkansas, becoming a district director for leadership specialist and assistant professor. Eventually, her career path led her to the University of Tennessee Extension, where she served on the regional administrative team and provided leadership for planning, developing, evaluating, reporting, and marketing regional family consumer sciences and 4-H development educational programs for 108 agents in 31 counties. That is quite the mouthful. (laughs) Now at the University of Georgia, we have the privilege of having both of these amazing women to shape our programming. These two women have a lot to share about extension, what it provides for you as the consumer. So I'm really excited to be talking with both of you today, and I've already shared uh, with the audience some of the background info on both um, of you, and I would like to start with, I'm always interested in hearing how people chose the career that they chose, and since you are both uh, deans for our university, I am very curious to how you landed where you are. (laughs) So I'll go first. Um, My undergraduate degrees were in psychology and religious studies. 
And I loved the content that I was learning in each of those. But when I went to look for graduate school, I really wanted to apply that information in a way that could help people with really their everyday lives. I thought it was really interesting to know about theory, and I thought it was really interesting to read all kinds of um, books and literature. But I wanted for a career to do something a little bit more applied and really something that people could resonate with in their everyday life. So that really was what directed me to my graduate degrees that are in human development and family studies from Penn State. And then in terms of being a dean, um, as opposed to being a faculty member, which I did for many years, I think my interest really was about um, working to be generative for faculty to help them to be able to produce this knowledge and be able to work effectively with students at kind of a higher level, more scope, and also my interest across the field of family and consumer sciences, rather than in one very narrow area, knowing that each of our areas are connected to each other, I really wanted mm -hmm. to have an impact across the scope of family and, con and, con and consumer sciences. Yeah, I really appreciate the being able to apply what you're learning and it it feeling like it is something that people can relate to and use. So I can totally identify with that. <laughs> Dr. Penn. So I got to extension and outreach through an extension internship between my junior and senior year in college. So I had kind of a general degree, uh, undergraduate degree in well, in family and consumer sciences related degree area. And I worked in the dean's office. And so I really wasn't 100% sure where I thought I wanted to go with my career. But what I did see is that the students who had internships were the people that were getting jobs. Mm. And knowing that I had to be self-sustaining beyond, um, you know, beyond graduation, I, I thought that getting a job was very important. And so um, I did a summer internship with Extension, and it was very broad-based, and I learned that I really uh, loved Extension. I had some hours in education and, uh, and decided that that really wasn't what I, I didn't want to be tied down to a classroom, and that Extension offered me the diversity of doing something different every day. And so I actually started uh, as an extension agent and with the expanded food news and nutrition program. And I decided that I should work on a master's so that I also have a master's in counseling. Uh, and then after I worked in counseling, uh, after I got my degree in counseling, I realized I didn't really want to be a counselor, but I really wanted to work with people and work and not necessarily in the clinical or therapeutic environment, but it was a degree that I used all the time. And uh, so I've kind of, as I've worked through my career, I have found my way to my degree programs. So my uh, doctorate is in higher education faculty development, and that's because I was an extension leadership specialist. So I've had taken a kind of a circumvented route to get here, but ultimately my desire has always been to work with agents and extension uh, professionals and specialists and to be able to support that the work that they do across the state. And I really feel like that this role uh, allows me to do that. That's so interesting because I think some people find their way to their career just through their interests. And then some people, I think you've said this before, um, that sometimes 
your career finds you like a family and consumer sciences tends to find a lot of people. And I can relate to that too, with, um, some of my background in different career areas. And then it all works so well with family and consumer sciences and it's all applicable. And, um, so I love that part of your career was also shaped by just being involved in family and consumer sciences. That's really cool. But I will also say my degrees all relate to family and consumer sciences. They yes. don't look like they're directly related, but they are all related degrees. That's a great point. <laughs> and I think people will understand that as we <laughs> go. Um, but I, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, so let's just start diving into our topic, which really is getting to the heart of what is cooperative extension. Because I think many people um, either are not really aware at all of what extension is, or sometimes they may know about a a piece of extension, um, but don't necessarily know all that extension entails. And so um, I, for example, am I feel like I'm a good example of that. I did not know about extension growing up. At least I didn't think I did. Um, It was really through my master's in nutrition that I got introduced to uh, extension. And um, then as I investigated extension at that time, figured out that 4-H was connected with extension. And 4-H was something that I had heard about. Um, but it was always told to me that 4-H was just for kids interested in agriculture. So I had really no clue what 4-H actually was. Um, and I think a lot of other people kind of fall somewhere in that spectrum, like not knowing at all, or they've heard of 4-H or they've heard of ag agents, but they especially don't know what fax is. So I do want to start with kind of unpacking what extension itself is. How did it start? So uh, the University of Georgia is a land grant institution and the land grant institution has a tripart mission teaching out uh, teaching research and outreach and extension. And so extension is one of those legs that is the foundation of land grant university and all 50 states have land grant institutions. There's 112 land grant, 118 land grant institutions across the United States. So there's a land grant. So there's an extension system. And so within the extension mission, we have three programs, another (laughs) tripart mission. We have agricultural and natural resources or environmental sciences, family and consumer sciences, and 4-H youth development. And those three programmatic areas comprise the extension mission. And so in the state of Georgia, there are 159 counties and that we have an extension presence in all 159 counties, which what that means when I say a presence means we have an office and we have staff that are located there. So there's in most cases we have a 4-H family and consumer sciences or ag agent. It just depends on the county and what they prioritized as their need. And so we deliver program based on what the county, what those agents have worked with to identify as their needs. So every agent works with a 
advisory group that helps them identify what's important in their area, whether it's family and consumer sciences, 4 H youth development, or ag, so that we be then in turn bring the research and the education from the land-grant university to the county, and we help people learn how to apply that research to their life in order to make their life better to utilize that research on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, Deansy, do you have anything that you want to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to chime in to say, first of all, how the tripartite mission, the teaching or instruction, research scholarship and outreach extension, how they connect with each other. So it's really important for um, keeping the faculty that are not involved in extension, um, keeping their research current is for them to hear from extension about what's going on in their communities to keep what they're doing relevant to the state of Georgia. And that's true in every state. Um, and I would say it's it's really very bi-directional because um, extension informs researchers, researchers inform extension. So it's a nice back and forth. In family and consumer sciences, as I think I alluded to before, each of our areas really has to be considered in order to optimize well-being, um, help people to lead their best lives. And so you really have to pay attention to each. So that's a lot of expertise for any one agent in a county to really be able to grasp. So it's so important that um, there's a good connection between the main campus and the counties so that as a need emerges, the um, county professionals can, can Um, liaison with the specialists and with Dr. Penn so that they know about that problem so that then people can go to work on trying to research about it, trying to analyze it, trying to um, write grants collaboratively with the agents in order to get more knowledge and more programming together to help address the need. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that um, point, because I think one of the things that was so um, intriguing to me and something that I really gravitated towards with extension was there's just so much collaboration that takes place. And um, it takes place in so many ways on so many levels. And um, it really, I would say, in some ways the agent's role and maybe everybody's role is kind of bringing everyone together and bringing everyone to the table. Um, Would you both agree that uh, the role of an agent and the specialist who create the material is to adapt that research specifically for the community so that it's relatable for the people that it's going to? So, yeah, so I just to kind of add to my larger explanation of what the of what extension is. So in so the the extension specialists who are faculty that are on campus faculty um, are engaged in the research here at the university, either through and they, they may teach or they may do research and they work. They basically translate the research in such a way that can be understood um, by the general population so that an agent, then they conduct training for agents so that agent then can turn teach it to uh, their public 
in their whatever county that they are in. So they definitely translate the science into understandable, usable language for every person. Uh, and so they what they do is they just kind of clean it from the academic language. <laughs> the, the academic grounding is still there, but it is it's more easily understood by the average person. And that's what we want to be able to do is to make sure that everybody understands the research at the local level. And our county extension agents are indeed connectors. That actually in many ways is one of their most important roles. Uh, they are educators and they do applied research, but they also are, they know their county and they know the communities within those counties. And so they're able to connect the resources of the University of Georgia to the, to the, to the people in their counties. And they also network within other, with other partner groups within the county so that they're able to, to bring people to their own educational program or to connect clientele to other partners. So they're very much a connector within their community. Dinsey, do you have anything to add? I think I was going to start transitioning into something that Dr. Penn started, I guess, two years ago uh, to really uh, help to be systematic about understanding the needs in the county. It seems like an important part to talk about that, which was a statewide needs assessment that she spearheaded. Um, I'll let her talk about some of the details of it, but I think it's such a good um, example of bringing a, an empirical science-based approach to really understanding about the needs in Georgia and also then helping us here in Athens to really get a picture of what's going on in these very diverse counties so that we can start to think about programming that is needed. So counties on a county by county basis have what we call an extension leadership team, which is essentially it's an advisory group that helps them um, determine what the priorities are in the county. So we do know on a county by county basis what the needs are. But, you know, unless you're engaged in that process, we might not necessarily know. We didn't really have the bigger picture of what the needs were. So in uh, last year, in 2020, we developed a comprehensive statewide needs assessment that was developed by a team that was made up of extension specialists and county extension agents to, to really in-depth look at how we are delivering, you know, if we're delivering the right things to the right people educationally. And so we did a, a statewide survey and we had about... Um, 12,000 responses, and then we had, which is very good for a survey. And then we also did 13 focus groups out across the state. So we did the focus groups to say, this is what we learned from our survey. It Does this resonate with you? Is this right? Does this, does this fit your experience? Does this fit your community? So, and we did those focus groups all across the state. And so we, we've summarized the needs assessment and we've had some, you know, some relatively significant findings or nothing that really surprised us. In a lot of ways, it confirmed what we knew. One of the things um, we know that there's a difference between the urban parts of the state and the rural parts of the state. And there's some differences in services that are available. There's a difference uh, in uh, transportation. There's a difference in needs. Uh, we also learned that there's a, one of the things that did surprise us a little bit is that our, what we have kind of called emerging and young adults don't necessarily 
um, self-report the life skills that we would hope that they would have in order to be self-sufficient adults. And, and that's an age group with young, emerging adults is 18 to 24. And then young adults are considered to be 25 to 34. And within that kind of big span, we learned that they really don't, they feel like they're missing some very significant skills that we educate people to in family and consumer sciences. And not only that, we're also not reaching them effectively. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a, a fairly significant um Finding The other thing is that we have some very significant differences uh, depending on where you're located geographically in the state that's not tied to either metro or urban as well. And so those are some of the general findings and I can share the link with you if you want to put the link to our needs assessment into, you know, if you can add it to your podcast and that way I don't have to spend a lot of time breaking down into the kind of the nitty gritty details people can look at on on a scale that fits them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will put the link to that. And but that's a good pivot point um to what does facts cover? <laughs> and when we call, when we refer to facts, and I think I said this at the beginning of the show, um, the facts is how we refer to family and consumer sciences. So you'll hear us refer to agents who cover this area as facts agents. Um, that's why the podcast is called the facts of life. It's F-A-C-S. Um, but all that to say, um, we cover about five areas in the area of family consumer sciences, and they are directly related to the College of Family and Consumer Sciences at the University of Georgia. Um, and I think your mention of this younger demographic um, is a great place to kind of start talking about these five areas because Um, If I'm not mistaken, in the needs assessment, a lot of what came out was um, there was a lack of knowledge of life skills in these five areas, correct? Correct. Correct. So so this is is where we take the complex down to uh, a more on it, an easier understand, an easier way to understand what we do. So we have departments in the College of Family and Consumer Sciences that the the content that we address in extension is grounded in. And so the content that we teach to and that we deliver information in is food, food nutrition, home, family, health, and money. And we also have some content area in textiles as well. And and these content areas are connected to our departments where our faculty are located and where the research and teaching is going on. But we don't use all the complicated terminology that we like to use on campus to say, this is how we describe food. (laughs) So we're really big on just a little. um, So... Basically, if we have someone who's in the 18 to 24 demographic and they're like, hey, I don't know how to budget. I know nothing about money. I am afraid of what that means for my life. Um, We're basically saying, hey, we can share with you and we have the curriculum and the programming to share with you how to do that. And it's all based on research that we know is tried and true. Exactly. So I think it's really important that it is all based on research, but the faculty here are generating that research 
Um, also, they may be disseminating it, compiling it and disseminating it to the agents themselves. They may also know of research going on in other states mm. that really advances that too. So being connected to folks in other states is, a, is another plus that, um, that we have through the extension service. I really like that you brought that up, Dean Z, because um, even though things are very tailored to each state and it's um, we're providing for the community education that's coming out of mm-hmm. our land grant university, um, for example, we as agents are very connected to other professional agencies throughout the country um, that help benefit and we collaborate with those people too. Um, so, and sometimes that's the extension, the, um, like the various extension, uh, professional organizations, but some of us are involved in some other professional organizations too, that enhance our work with our communities. So, you know, you gave an example of a, a young adult who maybe needed some financial help And we do, we offer, you know, depending on the agents and the county needs, we do have agents that deliver educational program that's related to managing your debt or understanding credit or using credit and how to get credit. But we, you know, one of our signature programs is virtual VITA and VITA is the volunteer tax assistance program. And that is a, it is a campus community partnership. And basically what it does is provides, uh, helps it's a support for people who might not have the resources to work with a tax preparer prepare their tax so we advertise it in the county uh mm-hmm. and the 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 individual comes into the county and they make an appointment with the county extension agent to get started on uh getting their taxes prepared to determine whether or not they they they're a good fit for it and then we work with our with volunteers and students and faculty on campus who, who actually do the prep work. So it's done virtually. It's the volunteer tax assistance program, but it's virtual because we're connecting people that are way out in counties that might not otherwise have access to the resources of the university and family and consumer sciences to people that are skilled and trained in tax preparation. And so it provides a great deal of support and it gives a lot back, you know, it helps those individuals who might not other get otherwise get tax refunds or get their taxes filed. And it's such a it's such a pivotal program for us out at the at the county level. And that's just one example of of others that I have in each of our programmatic areas. Right. Okay. So I, my mind, my mind is going a little crazy because <laughs> you've hit on several different things that I'm like, Ooh, where to go? Um, yeah, I let's go this direction. So, <laughs> um, Vita is one that is a pretty pivotal one. Um, but there's also things like elevate, which is, um, for couples and, and um, relationships and, um, I'm personally involved in that one, and it's one that is sometimes misunderstood as counseling, and <laughs> it's not at all counseling. Um, it really is about enhancing relationship um, between uh, committed partners, which we know um, in a number of different areas of research, whether it's in nutrition or whether it's in 
uh, various other health studies that uh, how your relationship is with your partner is really critically important to your health. And um, so there's those programs, there's things like Right Bite, which um, addresses diabetes, there um, are other nutrition programs. Um, there's just a wealth of things that family and consumer sciences alone within extension offers, not to mention all the other things that um, our youth development side with 4-H offers and what agriculture um, offers to the communities too, which 4-H and ag tend to be what people are more often familiar with um, than family and consumer sciences. So we also offer child care provider training. So mm -hmm. we work to provide, so we don't work directly with the parents, but we work with the provider, the owner of the child care provider business or the Head Start to make sure that they are trained um, in to provide good child care that is age appropriate. So we also provide them age appropriate activities. Um, we talk, we teach to uh, ages and stages of life for child care providers. We have a whole range of training that we, and we talk about uh, eating behaviors of children that are child care as well. So we have a whole curriculum that crosses over all of our content areas that we do for child care providers. And, you know, that's something that really across the state is so important is that we don't have an adequate number of child care providers across mm -hmm. the state to meet the child needs. And so making sure that the child care providers that are out there are trained in the most current research um, and best practices to in working with children is something that we uh, I think is a real strength that we have and it's an important program across the state. And that's another example of just one, <laughs> one program we have where we have a pretty big reach. Well, we're not really working directly with the parent, but we're working with the, the business that works with, with the parents. Yeah. I, um, one that I'm really excited about that is we're, kind of just getting some curriculum on is, um, things related to brain health and aging. And, um, so I'm excited to see where some of that curriculum takes us in the future. Um, but that's actually a good place to kind of mention how one of the other things that I have really appreciated about extension I've, as I've gotten to become more familiar with it has been that extension has been around, especially in Georgia, for a very long time. And one of the things that we do very well is we are able to um, change with what's happening currently. And um, I'm, Dean uh, Z and, and Dr. Penn, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about how we did that with coronavirus um, and how that's kind of shaping where we are now. But um, one of the stories that I thought was really cool was uh, how we used to take trains and to use trains and we provided mobile classrooms um, that would go throughout Georgia and reach people in really rural counties and stuff. And at the time it was very innovative and it was very necessary and it's something that probably would not work well today. <laughs> um, but it's fascinating to think how many major world events took place that really could have set 
extension off the rails. Um, <laughs> no pun intended, but <laughs> um, really actually allowed agents and specialists and colleges to rise to the occasion and meet people where they were. And um, I think that's important for people to recognize that um, behind the innovation of the university with the research that's going on, there is that aspect of innovation too that's taking place too, where we're learning and learning from each other and um, able to provide things for the community that sometimes uh, other agencies aren't able to. Dean's on COVID, you want me to run with this one? Well, so I, the pandemic is definitely is a game changer. The pandemic crisis really helped us reduce the barriers because we, and that is one of the beauties of extension is that we do have, because we are focused on community-based needs, we are able to be responsive when there's major crisis. And, uh, you know, for example, one of the things that we do is we have a whole educational program related to disaster preparation. And so if there's some type of disaster somewhere in the state, we're able to be responsive. And, and we, But we've, also, we've already thought on the preventative side about what do we do and how do we train people to be responsive in, in the event of a disaster. But um, the pandemic crisis was a little bit different because we've never had that kind of experience in our lifetime. So we didn't know exactly how to respond, but we knew that we still needed to be, we knew that people had needs at the at the county level and across the state, and we still needed to meet those needs. And we have some very talented professionals who are able to to really think outside of the box. And, you know, of course, obviously things went um virtual in lots of different ways. So our extension agents and our specialists learned quickly how to teach within a virtual environment when they might not have had a lot of experience. And they taught in a virtual environment. They learned how to do podcasts. Um, they learned how to communicate in uh, other through social media and other uh, learning management sites so that we were able to, to meet county needs. And just one of the, uh, the examples is because we had families that were home together, we were able to deliver lots of nutrition education for families that was very timely to them. And so we were able to do some um, hands-on cooking demonstration that was also was reinforcing uh, nutritious home, nutritious eating practices. So the demonstration is, is the hook for how we get the nutrient, you know, the nutrition content across. And so we did, there were some agents that did mom and me or parent and me type of virtual classes um, where they did, they taught a demonstration and people practiced along with them or they worked and we delivered 4-H youth development programs that way as well. So, but what we did with that is we broke down barriers that we've known for years existed. So when you're in a county and you're conducting an in-person program and you advertise that, well, that means that people have to come where you are. We are locally, locally, we are located in the county. So it's not like we're asking them to come to the University of Georgia, but there's still, you still have time, travel, childcare, um, and just a whole range of barriers. So we broke down lots of barriers. So we were able to deliver educational programming at a time that was good for families 
uh, it eliminated the need to have childcare because we were able to involve the parent and child if it was a parent and child kind of event. Um, we were also, it reduced the cost of travel. <laughs> you know, it cost gas money to go somewhere. So we were able to break down a lot of barriers that we've known have been in existence for a long time. And so what we've taken beyond that is, although we've gone back to in person programming and uh, in many, many ways, we also know how to offer kind of this hybrid combination where if that doesn't work, if we know we've got a group of uh, individuals that daytime things don't work for them, we can offer it in the evening. So we've really learned how to be adapt to the needs of the individual. And I think that's an important role that extension plays in meeting the needs and being able to deliver educational programs because we're not locked in to the eight to five you know, kind of world. And all I would add to that is just that the resources of the university were very helpful in yes. providing the platform training, all of those kinds of things that might have been an obstacle for other kinds of um, uh, social service agencies didn't have all of that in place. So it was really very helpful, I think, to have that. It also opened up how a program that you're doing in your county, Amanda, might be really relevant to someone in another county. And if it's delivered virtually, then those people can also participate. So that's just another example of those breaking down of barriers that it really allowed that kind of sharing. I think that's really helpful for families. So oh, as an absolutely. example, so as an example today, well, recently we were looking at some of our data from our needs assessment. And so we have our county extension agents sent out the survey to their clientele. And when we looked at the data, uh, a pretty good percentage came from their clientele that were out of state, like in places like Hawaii and other countries. And we were like, well, where did that come from? And it came because they were doing virtual programming and people saw this virtual programming and they signed up. So our reach, even though it's local, we also have the ability to reach people in other places. So sometimes they reach people in other counties. Sometimes they reach people in other states. Sometimes they reach people in other countries. And I mean, what a, what a reach to be able to provide that kind of educational service um for people anywhere absolutely i mean um i collaborate with uh two agents from the university of idaho and three other agents here in georgia for uh cooking um a kids in the kitchen cooking thing that was actually started before i got here and um it goes really well we have tons of kids who sign up we have kids from other um States who sign up. I mean, I've had overseas friends ask if they can participate and it's kind of like, well, if you want to, if you want to cook at midnight, sure. <laughs> but um, it has been a great way for us to enhance each other's programs. Um, I feel like because um, it is hard to collaborate when you have to drive across the state to collaborate with someone who it's like, hey, the way that we do things could really help one another and help each other's communities. And it helps us to save a lot of time. And um, I think it's allowing a lot of us as agents to think of other spinoffs, like um, all of us who are doing this kids in the kitchen are starting a couple's cooking club. Um, that's going to talk beyond the kitchen skills and the knife skills and the food safety and some of the basic nutrition and talk 
about nutrition and chronic disease a little bit more with people who attend. So, um, yeah, I love that, um, you know, in the middle of some of these really challenging things that come up like a pandemic, (laughs) um, it kind of forces on us some things that can be very positive. So, I mean, it has had its other challenges, but it definitely has produced some positive things for Georgia Extension. So I hope in your podcast, you know, some of your other interviews that you will talk to some extension agents and have and ask them some similar questions to what you've asked us, because their perspective is so important and they give a different, they have a completely different viewpoint about why they serve and, you know, they can definitely get down to the the more the specifics about the type of programming and why they deliver it and how they deliver it and how that's connected to their county-based needs. And so I hope that's really part of your overall process process is to, you know, you've got us, but, you know, also from my perspective and for a county resident, that those boots on the ground, those agents that are doing, they're carrying out the everyday work of extension absolutely are the most important communicator about extension, about what we do. Absolutely. (laughs) They've been very helpful to me, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Uh, Deansy, do you have anything that you wanted to add? Not yet. Okay. Um, I think one thing that we have talked about, the three of us together, is um, a little bit about data gathering through extension and why we do that. And that is one area that is also challenging for people to understand. Um, And I'd love for you guys to flesh that out a little bit, because I think it's it's an important piece for people to understand. We talk about extension in many ways. So we say we use a couple different terms when we talk about what extension does in research. So one of the terms we use is we do applied research, which means we take that research and we put it into practice at the community level. We also use the terminology translational science, but I think for for answering this question, the really important words that I want to use are implementation science. So what we do is the researchers develop models. They do the research, they study Um, They study things, they study people within their area of expertise, and they say, you know, this is what we think works, but they don't have what we would call the the human, the real human lab necessarily in which to, to test whether or not that actually works. So in extension, that's what we do is we take that that model that is developed within research, evidence-based programming and research-informed programs, and we test that model in the field. So we we're testing the implementation. So you, you know, we'll take diabetes prevention. So our diabetes prevention uh, program and, you know, based on the model that the evidence-based program that if you teach a lesson, this series of lessons in this way, in this order with this audience, you should get this outcome. So what we do is we test that. We see if it works. So, and then we're able to put feedback to the researcher into the research loop. We're able to see, say, guess what? You thought that would work? It doesn't work. (laughs) Or it does work, but it works better in this way. 
so that we're able to say, yes, these things work. No, these things don't work. It works better when, when we take this approach. And so what we're doing is that we're informing that research. So that, that information, that applied research, that implementation science is getting fed back in to, to the research loop so that the researcher can go back and study it <laughs> and then bring it back to us. And then we test it again. And so, yes, it's applied research. It's translational research, but it's because we're doing the implementation science about whether it works. So sometimes when we're working with clients or consumers, that means that we're asking questions that kind of have a, that are that data collection piece. And that's so that we can provide that information back to the researcher to improve what we know about how this operates under, how programs operate in different conditions. So I guess I would add to that by saying that the extension professionals are also researchers. They're applied yes. researchers. And what they're researching is what Allison has basically been talking about. It's the, um, the implementation of these programs. And so as I've come to know folks in extension here at UGA, I've been impressed at how they're really doing three things um, and maybe more, but, but the three things that I'm impressed by are their knowledge about the content matter, their expertise in that, um, their knowledge about how to actually implement programs. Um, that's a whole other level of expertise that I certainly don't have. Even in my chosen area of research, I don't know how to actually implement a program. Um, I wouldn't probably be very good at that because I haven't had that training and I may not have the personality to do that. Um, and then the third thing that they're doing is they are gathering information about the program's effectiveness and compiling that, usually working with a team in order to analyze that, that then helps them to do what Dr. Penn was saying, to revise the program, to, to give that information to other people and then work together on what to do about it. Sometimes um, because people work in a team, there might be a situation where maybe a program is delivered in another language, might be in English and in Spanish and maybe other languages as well. And then it can be analyzed in terms of, is the effectiveness the same? Are there reasons why one is more effective than another um, for a given population? People might also analyze what happens when people um, come to every single um, uh, program for something that might be a 10 or 15 session program versus the first two. So that helps to inform how to design programs, which is another important part of implementation science. Uh, maybe the last thing I would say about all of that is that I often talk about our programming as being about prevention and prevention science, because what we're really doing is giving people information on how to um, with the resources they have at hand, in the communities in which they live, in the houses that and homes that they have, we're helping them to optimize those conditions so that um, they can be more healthy. It doesn't mean that they're gonna eliminate all chronic health conditions. It doesn't mean that they're not ever going to be sick, but we're eliminating some of the reasons why people get sick, such as food poisoning, right? Um, <laughs> and people should not be washing their chicken, right? <laughs> but we're doing a lot of things that help them to live the best lives that they have. And that in turn helps the community just at that level. So people are also gathering data on that. 
that, right, on the health of the community and how participation in these programs really improves health or prevents health conditions from getting worse. We didn't even talk about home food preservation, which is also one of our signature <laughs> programs. Home food <laughs> preservation and food safety, uh, you know, so our extension agents do a lot of training across the state that it's hands on. And I think that's really important to recognize is when we talk about we've talked about education uh, and it's not what we would consider the formal classroom education like you would find if you were sitting in a college. It's considered to be informal or non for it's not informal. It's non-formal which doesn't mean it's informal, it's education, but it tends to be more hands-on and more applied. So our extension agents do training, hands-on training all across the state on how to correctly preserve foods at home, whether that's canning, freezing, um, preserves. There's a whole, we have a whole range out of the National Center for Home Food Preservation for how we, the information we provide to make sure that people safely preserve their foods at home, even though they may have learned from their grandmother how to can, that may not be the most updated information today that they need to be using our current research. And that's because we are constantly testing recipes under different conditions, uh, using the and using best practices and research-informed practices to make sure that people preserve their food safely. And that is just an excellent example of, you know, kind of the applied research is that we're constantly testing those recipes with new equipment. <laughs> we teach people how, we, you know, we do uh, gauge testing so that people know that their gauges, their pressure canner gauges are accurate and that if they're not accurate, then they need to replace them, you know. So that's just uh, such an important and critical safety, family safety, health and safety issue across the state, especially since we have so many people who have now have an interest in um, preserving their locally produced foods. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and everything that both of you talked about, there's something that I want to draw out just a little bit more because sometimes people get very nervous around the word research. And um, so when we're talking about applied research and the data that we gather and the research that we do in the counties, um, it is at a level where we're applying things that have that we already are aware and know and are really well tested and well researched to begin with. So we're never using the community as a guinea pig. <laughs> Um, and I think that's really important for people to realize and understand. So it's to what both of you said directly, but I want to make sure people hear this part that um, it really is taking things that and making small adjustments and saying, hey, um, for example, we do a food labs with kids. And um, sometimes if I, as the fax agent partner with my 4-H agent, we're going in and we're saying, you know, um, this didn't go so well this time. Let's try a self-evaluation for the kids the next time. And let's see how they perform with a self-evaluation. And maybe that'll soften some of the critique that needs to happen during the process um, where they still are getting all the education that they need, but it gives us a way to talk to them. Um, and um, by the same token, like this year in food labs, our specialists were there like reevaluating other things that 
you know, might need to be shifted. Um, but it's not like the whole program just shifts and changes and blows up or, um, that kind of thing. It's very calculated. Um, let's not throw the baby out with bathwater. Let's move slowly and, um, do things in small increments in a way that we can measure it and really see what's happening. So you said something that I think is really important about the research base that supports our extension agents programs. So it is easy and it is, we are also uh, attuned to Googling answers. And so, you know, you can Google a lot of questions that are family, that have family and consumer sciences content, but just because you Google it doesn't mean necessarily that the practices that you find are evidence-based research, research informed or, healthy and safe for you. And that's one of the, that's what we bring it to the county programming as an extension programming is we bring the things that, that are the research base. They are, they have been tested. They are safe. We do not make recommendations or engage in education that, you know, we engage in education that we know is safe and tested for people. Uh, and we may tweak it as we go because we're studying the process, but there's, there's data behind it. There's research behind it that supports what we do in our educational and applied research. Yeah. I think we've covered everything. <laughs> um, do either of you have anything that you want to add um, that maybe I'm forgetting that we missed, but I, I think pretty sure we got everything. You know, the one thing that I probably didn't really talk about uh, was the extension mission, because we do actually have an, a, the extension does have an extension mission statement, which is we translate the science of everyday living for far, farmers, family and communities to foster healthy and pro prosperous Georgia. And that's to cross over all of our content area, uh, including family consumer sciences, 4-H youth development and agriculture. So, you know, basically what we do is we translate the science from the university to help people live the very best life that they can lead. That's a great closing, I think. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Dean Z and Dr. Penn. I really appreciate your time um, in more ways than you know. <laughs> um, so I, and I'm excited that the two of you are going to be my first guests on this show and um, I hope everyone will find it very valuable. Thank you, Amanda. We're, we're grateful you reached out and thank you for all of the work you're doing for these podcasts. They're, they're really great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Research-based resources referenced in and related to this episode of Facts of Life can be found in the episode notes and description information. The views and thoughts expressed in this video podcast are the speaker's own and do not necessarily represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the University of Georgia or the guests' organizations and or employers. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes only. The University of Georgia name, as well as those of guests' organizations, and all forms and abbreviations are the property of its owner and its use does not imply endorsement of or opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. These are the facts of life. Thanks for joining us. Check out our website at monroefacts.extension.uga.edu. That's Monroe, 
facs.extension.uga.edu.